going tonight back into the series we began right toward the end of December. And this will be a few week series that I will be teaching. And um, I'm excited about it very much. We are talking about culture wars and, and, and all of the things that we have to face because of the culture that we live in. Um, we're, we're up against some very large battles. There is spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and we should be aware of those things. And so um, in dealing with that, I, we went through several things uh, in our last lesson. But tonight I want to uh, I want to kind of start where I left off. I'm going to repeat just just one or two things, and we will start where we left off. I won't. I'm not going to re-preach everything. And everybody said, "Thank you, Jesus." <laughs> but I want you to know it's hard for me not to re-preach it. Okay, so just so you're aware. Um, let me go back to this. And I'm not going to read this scripture, but, but just to reaffirm it to you, you can go look at it later if you want. Genesis 2.15, and, Gen- and, and we're talking about our need to be involved in the culture and our need to influence our culture. In Genesis 2.15, it establishes God's authority over humanity. God rules over humanity. Amen. Matthew 16 and 18, you read that and you're going to find that it establishes God's authority over the church. It is His church. It's it's established on the rock of the identity of who Christ is. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is His church and He has authority over the church. And God calls the shots for the church. We need to be careful that we don't get caught up in, in, some, in some modern uh, interpretation of Christianity in which Christianity is trying to tell us what to believe about the Word of God as opposed to allowing God's Word to tell us what to believe about the Word of God. I want to affirm to you again that God's Word is infallible. I want to affirm to you that God's Word is inspired. And I want to affirm to you that God's Word is inerrant. There is no blemish in it. There is nothing wrong with it. There's no error in this Word. It is what He has given to us. And so, we need to make sure uh, right now, the I believe it, maybe somebody can help me here, is it the Methodist church that's getting ready to split? The Methodist denomination. I'm not talking out of turn here because this is in their news. This is what they're saying. Uh, the Methodist church is getting ready to have a split because they are almost down the middle. They are split over uh, whether or not to allow uh, same-sex marriages, uh, homosexual priests uh, in their churches, all of those things. And uh, it's caused a tremendous divide. And so they actually had to vote on that. Can you imagine? that your church denomination would have to vote on whether to uphold those things or not. Yet they did, and the traditionalists narrowly won that vote. And so it's such a big divide that they're just going to split the denomination now. And I am going to tell you that it doesn't matter if a denomination says it. 
We're a part of the United Pentecostal Church. The United Pentecostal Church is not our ultimate authority. The Word of God is our ultimate authority. So long as the United Pentecostal Church is in alignment with the Word of God, we're a part of the United Pentecostal Church. We need, I believe very strongly, I believe in the need of, of a concerted effort where we work together as an organized group um, to spread the gospel. We would never be able to touch the world as this church is touching the world without the United Pentecostal Church. Um, I believe in it for accountability, uh, for my sake and for your sake. And it is, it is a blessing in, in times like, uh, like that. And so, um, but again, we're a part of the United Pentecostal Church so long as it is solely and completely committed to the Word of God. Uh, Bible salvation, being born again of water and of the Spirit. I taught that on Sunday morning in our adult Sunday school class. So as we're dealing with our culture, we have to determine what we're going to do with each thing. And this is kind of where we left off. Uh, we have to determine, are we going to receive what is in our culture? Are we going to reject what is in our culture? Or will we redeem what is in the culture? And you can do, you can do one of those three things. It's, it's going to happen one way or the other. There are some things that culture can bring us. We receive it. There's, we don't have hesitation. Um, I, am, I was so glad I didn't have... I enjoy riding my mules, but I'm glad I didn't ride one to church tonight. Okay? We, of course, I'm a Ford guy, you know, and, and I, think it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Lord allowed Henry Ford to be the, the one who led the way and all that. All you Chevy guys and Dodge guys just had to... Anyhow, I better watch her. I'm going to lose half the audience right there. Um, so we drove to, vehicle, uh, to church and vehicles tonight, and, and that's something culture has given us that we have received, okay? We've received it. And matter of fact, those automobiles, airplanes, all that stuff has helped put the gospel around the world. Brother Benny DeMerchant, our missionary to Brazil for, many, for 50 years, and uh, he would fly his plane into the Amazon, places where you could not drive and even some places where you could not boat. He would fly his airplanes in there and he preached the gospel and has, and has reached tens of thousands, yea, hundreds of thousands of people with the gospel. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. So we received that, okay, that technology. Then there are some technologies that we reject. We reject something, not just technology, some things that we reject. Uh, there are some uh, music that we don't even, there's no place for it in a Christian's life. There are, there are some medias, there is no place for it in a Christian's life. Um, there are some uh, things you can take, ingest, drink, smoke, shoot up. We reject it wholesale. It's not for us, right? Amen. We still believe in absolutes. We still believe in absolutes. And then there are things we redeem. You know, they didn't always have organs and keyboards and drums and churches. Uh, you know, they, they used to have church with harps. David wrote all his songs playing the harp. 
And I don't remember the last time I went to church and somebody played the harp. Um, you know, the Bible talks about tambourines, and we, and we, we ran that devil out. And Brother Clyde keeps threatening to show up in some of those tambourine shoes. And all I know is that safety team I was talking about on Sunday better be ready. Take him out. They're going to hit the ground with you, man. So, so there are some things we redeem. We've redeemed the instruments. We've redeemed the lights. We've redeemed the, the, the nice seats. All those things. So if we're wise, if we're wise, we will judge everything on its own merit according to the Word of God. I don't think there is wisdom in having a knee-jerk reaction. There is not wisdom in having a knee-jerk reaction. We need to take time. We need to pray. We need to seek God's counsel through His Word. And, and the Bible's not going to tell us in black and white what to do with everything. But it does have principles. And if we'll take the principle and apply the principle to the thing we're dealing with, it will give us wisdom. Amen? Amen. Um, how is the world going to view our stance as the church on the culture? Well, by and large, they're going to think that we have lost our minds. They're going to... Th you mean you, you... Ladies, you wear what? And, and you won't do what? You won't drink what? And all, all these things that, that we have made stances on and, and we have drawn lines on, and lines are not bad. I don't think we draw them arbitrarily, but the lines we do draw, I think we need to honor them because we arrived at them in a prayerful manner. And so they're going to look at us at times and they're going to think that something's wrong with us. But I will tell you tonight, that values that are not defended and upheld, even in the face of opposition, if we do not defend and uphold our values when we are opposed, then all those values really are are loosely held opinions. If we don't believe them strong enough, when we get resistance on them to continue to hold on to them, then they're not really our values. They're just an opinion that wasn't even that strong of an opinion even itself. Opinions are subject to change, but values are unchanging. Our values are unchanging, and so you can have some opinions. I've got several opinions. If you want to talk with me sometime, I'll share them with you. But I try not to preach my opinions. One may slip through every now and then. But I try to make sure you know when I'm preaching. Let me rephrase that. When I'm sharing my opinion and when I'm preaching values. We need values in the church today. We need unchanging principles and precepts that guide our lives that we would live for and we would die for. We need those kind of values. We need to be careful because we are being continually influenced by a world system. And I am telling you tonight that the world system is a tool of Satan. 
The world system is a tool of Satan. He has moved on the world to intimidate the people of God. Now, I'm not just talking about here tonight, but I'm talking about throughout history. We have seen the devil use this world system to try to intimidate the people of God. One of his primary tactics is the use of intimidation. Satan has weaponized intimidation. Anybody believe what I'm preaching right there? He has weaponized it. And so you'll have, he, he, will, he will use this world system to say things, to do things, in an effort to intimidate God's people that we would be silent and we would shut our mouths. Let me take you to some places in Scripture. 2 Kings 19 and verse number 8 is where I'm going to start. 2 Kings 19 and 8, and I'm going to read down through verse 19. So Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warning against Libna, for he had heard that he was departed from Lachish. And when he heard say of Tirhaka, king of Ethiopia, Behold, he has come out to fight against thee. He sent messengers again unto Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God... Now listen to what this pagan king is saying to the king of God's people. Let not thy God, whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the king of Assyria has done to all lands by destroying them utterly. And shalt thou be delivered? You've heard the testimony of all the other peoples that we've taken out, and you think you're going to be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed as Gozan, Gozan and Haran and Reza and the children of Eden which were in Thelasar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad and the king of the city of something and Hena and Iva? That's the danger of having to go through some of these. And Hezekiah received this letter that was written of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel which dwellest between the cherubims. Thou art God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which had sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria, they have destroyed the nations in their lands. They have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. The devil moved on Sennacherib to write a letter and to send it to the king of Israel and to say to him, we're getting ready to take you out. And there is nothing you can do. And he tried to intimidate him by saying, you need to think about all the other peoples we have destroyed up until this point. And you think little old you is going to be able to bypass all of that? It was the weapon of intimidation. 
in Daniel chapter number 3 and verse number 8. Daniel 3 and verse number 8. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. I, I'm just going to tell it to you all tonight. Okay, is that all right? <laughs> they said, King, didn't you make a decree that said when it, came, when it comes time that um, whoever doesn't worship you and fall down and worship your image, they're to be thrown into the fiery furnace? He said, I absolutely did say that. They said, oh, king, well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down. So bring them to me. And they bring them to him. And he says, I'm going to give you one more opportunity. We are going to play the music again. You're going to bow down and worship. And if you don't, I'm going to tell them to heat it seven times hotter and throw you in the fiery furnace. And they said, oh, king, we're not even, we're not even careful to answer you in this. One of the greatest lines in all the Bible, in my opinion. We're not even careful to answer you in this. Our God is well able to deliver us. But even if He doesn't, we still ain't bowing down to your image. And they played the music and they stood. And He said, throw them in the fire. They threw them in the fire. They didn't burn. You, you know the story probably that there was the fourth man, like unto the Son of God, walking into the fire, through the fiery furnace with them. And their bonds were burned up, but they were fine. Not even the smell of smoke on them. They stood for God. But they stood for God in the face of intimidation that the devil used through that culture that they were in. This was what you did in their culture. You're supposed to eat the king's meat, Daniel. You're supposed to bow down to the image, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is what you do in this culture. Yet they didn't let culture change their values. The devil tried to use the world system to intimidate them, but they refused to bow. And I want to say tonight that if we will not bend and if we will not bow, God will stand for us and God will take care of His people. One more verse of Scripture, 1 Peter 5 and 8. 1 Peter 5 and 8, just one verse here. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Again, what is it? It's intimidation. It's that old devil walking about as a roaring lion. He's not, he's not, he's not trying to just be subtle all the time, but he's trying to let you know he's big and he's bad. And he wants you to hear his roar. And just as those animals on the on the African uh, Sahara, they hear the roar of the lion. And they say, we better get out of here because we don't want anything to do with him. He's the king of the jungle. And they leave wherever he's coming. They don't want to be around where he's at. They get out of there. And the devil's trying to do that to us. But again, if we will stand, if we will hold fast the things that we have believed in, our God will stand for us. The devil will not devour God's people. Can you say amen? Amen. amen? So what should our response be as the church to culture? How are we going to respond? And, and next week I'm going to get into the different ones. Next week I'm going to teach on our response to politics. 
I don't even know if angels trod there. I am. I'm going to teach on our response to politics, and I've got somewhat to say about it. And it's not just opinion. It's the Word of God. But I'm not teaching that one tonight. I'm still on the introduction because I'm long-winded, and I only got half of it last week. But that's okay. Y'all all right? Okay. So what should our response be to our culture as we are the church? How do we respond? Paul gives it to us. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 27. Ephesians 4 and 27. There's just one sentence. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Whatever Satan's stance through culture is, it should have no bearing on what our stance is. We do not give place to him. In other words, he has no say at my table. He has no say in my house. And not only does he have no say at my table or my house, he has no say in God's house. He doesn't determine where we stand. We don't, there's a, remember the old song, devil don't allow no shouting around here. Devil don't allow no shouting around here. We don't care what the devil don't allow. We're going to shout anyhow. Devil don't allow no shouting around here. And they told us what the devil doesn't like, and they had about 17 verses of what the devil didn't like. <laughs> he didn't like shouting. He didn't like praising. He didn't like anything to do with worship, okay? He didn't like shouting, praising, worshiping, hand clapping, jumping, dancing. What's that? Tongue talking, singing. We had a bunch of them. What's that other song? Uh, well, I better not get into that. <laughs> I caught myself, okay? But we heard all about what the devil didn't like, but the greatest thing about that song is it said, we don't care what the devil don't allow. We're going to do it anyhow. We're going to do it anyhow. And so we don't care what the devil doesn't allow. We don't care what he says. We don't give place to the devil. Devil, your opinion means nothing to me. Your opinion, it doesn't... There's a lot of things. When we're making decisions around our house, I take, I take my opinion. I take her opinion. I don't take their opinions. Talking about my kids. We, 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 I, I listen to what she has to say. She listens to what I have to say. But we don't listen to what the devil has to say. It's not, it's not up for discussion. And so we don't give him place. We don't even give him an opportunity to get his foot in the door. Now this is where some people have messed up in how they have dealt with culture. Because they let the devil put his foot in the door. Folks, we either believe what God's word says in its entirety, or we don't believe it at all. Well, I disagree with that. I think you can take some things and not take all. No, 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 no. If you, if, if you discredit one aspect of it, you've discredited the entirety of it. Because what you deem valid, somebody else can say, well, I deem valid the things you said that aren't, and vice versa. 
And who's right? Now it's opinions and now it's my truth and your truth. There is no such thing. It's His truth. And so some people, what they have done is they have allowed the Word of God to be so watered down in their churches and because that's where we're coming from tonight is, is from the church. They've, they've allowed the, the Word of God to become so watered down in their churches that it has no strength anymore. And so the devil put his foot in the door through one way or another. He got his foot inside of the door. And now you've got a denomination splitting over going to have homosexual priests and do same-sex marriages and all that kind of stuff. A denomination that was known as Methodist because they used to shout and dance about and do all the things that Pentecostals do. And yet today, and I, 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 I want to be careful here because I'm not trying to be disparaging. I, I'm really not, but I am trying to be... I, I do want to be honest. Today, it's, it's one of the least demonstrative groups of people you could ever be around. It has changed so very much. What has happened? What has happened? The devil got his foot in the door. And so we don't even give him the opportunity to do that. Parents, we're fighting a culture. Parents, hear your pastor. Don't let the devil put his foot in the door to your house. And that's probably the best thing I'll say tonight. Don't let the devil put his foot inside the door of your house. My kids don't tell me how we're going to do in my house. I just, I feel something right here. So I'm going to go ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and bump it. They don't tell me how we do in my house. I tell them how we do in my house. It's not up, it's not their decision to make. I had one of the kids the other night say, I told them they couldn't have something. They said, well, it's mine. I said, oh, no, it's not. Everything that is in this house belongs to me. You just have access to it. Am I right? I said, who went to work for that? They tried to say mom. <laughs> Didn't they? I said, the devil is a lie. Well, she, she helped. I said, she helped. <laughs> I said, but we did all that for you. You know, you didn't. And, and it wasn't a big thing. They were, they were really being silly. But I, when they were silly, I, I've told you all, I look for open doors. The devil does too, apparently, huh? I look for open doors. And when they were silly, I just said, I'm just going to remind them how it is in our house. And, and we all laughed and had a good time. But I'm just going to tell you right now, they don't make the decisions on, on what they're going to wear, where they're going to go, who they're going to hang out with, what they're going to watch, what they're going to listen to. They don't make those decisions. I'm preaching real good right now. I may, I may take a lap around the pulpit here in a minute. This is very good. They don't make... 
I call the shots. And so we need to quit blaming them for some stuff that we didn't stand up on. We don't need to blame. They didn't open the door, parents. We opened the door. Well, that's good whether you like it or not. Somebody needs to shout amen. All right. I'm going to. It's the truth. They, those kids didn't open that door. We opened the doors. If they get open, it's because I let it get open. And dads, it's more on us than it is on our wives. It's a team effort. It is a team effort, but at the end of the day, I'm the responsible party. Because the head of the, 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 head of the woman is the man. I'm going to deal with that in our culture series too. The head of the woman is the man. I'm not talking about lording over them. I'm talking about biblical definitions of roles. And the head of the man is Christ. So if I'm not following him, I don't need to blame her for it if I didn't step up and make the decision I should have made. Y'all see why I don't get through my lessons in one service? We've got to guard what is allowed in our homes. We've got to be careful about it. Young people, I want to tell you something right now. You need to not challenge your parents on what they allow or don't allow in your home. You don't, need to, you don't need to challenge them. If your parents are trying to stand up for the principles in the Word of God, y'all listen to pastor right now. If your parents are trying to stand up for the principles in the Word of God and they're trying to, to guide you and lead you in a way that your soul will be saved and you won't go to hell, like I preached about Sunday, but you'll go to heaven. You ought to stand back and say, I may not like it, but thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for fighting for me. Neither give place to the devil. We could solve a whole lot of our issues if we would neither give place to the devil. Anybody ready for me to move on? I feel like you might be. That's our response. Okay, we're not going to give place to the devil. Then how, Pastor, tell us how are we going to engage our culture? Do you, are you saying we should just sequester ourselves and we should just go have our own little thing going? And that's not what I'm saying. There's a song many years ago. Not all Y'all know I, lo, I, I like a lot of old songs. Well, this reminds me of an old song too. But it's not as good of an old song. It's that one that said, me and Jesus got our own thing going on. <laughs> me and Jesus, we got our own thing going on. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to be a part of a church where we say me and Jesus got our own thing going on and, and, and we're just going to withdraw from everybody else. I'll talk about it another time, but we are in this world, but we are not of this world. But don't forget we're in it. We are in it. How do you... Well, I don't know... You know, I think we need to be uh, more concerned about being not of it than we need to be talking about we're in it. Well, you can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. And Jesus did say that we are to be salt and light. How can I be salt and light if I pulled myself away from it? You can't. So 
What do we do? We're going to sequester ourselves? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to engage the culture. Because the reason we're at the place we're at right now is because the church, at some point along the way, the church quit engaging the culture like it should have. And that is a large part of the reason we're fighting some of the things that we are fighting today. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture. It's found in James 3 and beginning with verse number 13. And I'm going to go down through 18. I'm going to read verses 13 through 18 of James 3. It says this, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good... And I'm going to put the word that you'll understand there. Let him show out of a good lifestyle his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not... And lie not against the truth. This wisdom, what kind of wisdom? The wisdom that causes us, that comes from bitter envying and strife in our hearts that that would cause us to actually lie against the truth. This kind of wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly. It is sensual. That means it's fleshy. It is devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Everybody say pure. It is first pure. The wisdom that comes from the Lord is a pure wisdom. It is not tainted with my humanity. That is why sometimes we will do things through His wisdom that makes no sense to us. Because it is a pure wisdom. It is a wisdom that flows directly from the Spirit of God. It is pure. Then... Peaceable. Talking about how we're going to deal with the culture. What is our method when we engage with the culture? Okay, we need wisdom that's pure. We need wisdom that is peaceable. It's not looking for a fight. We need to be careful that we're not getting worked up just to get in a fight. Now, I've known people in my lifetime who just enjoyed a good fight. Any of y'all know somebody like that? Can you point one or two? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Some people just always looking for a good fight. Some people will get on the opposite side of an issue just so they can fight you. They may not even believe that side of the issue, but they'll jump to that side just so they can have a fight with you about it. I had a friend, I'm not going to say his name, but he is related to some of you in here. Some of you may know him when I start talking about him. He is a hothead. A lot of you are like, yep, I know. He is a hothead. He is easily provoked. 
and he was always spoiling for somebody to say the wrong thing. And if you just said the wrong thing, he was up in your face. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I mean, he could just turn it on like that. And I can't tell you how many times at youth camps I saw him blow up on people. And somebody, you know, he thought they fouled him on the basketball court, you know. And he'd just get all upset. And he was throwing basketballs and he was ready to show you his martial arts skills and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> all right. That is not peaceable. Please listen to me. I don't, I, we're laughing, but in the laugh, I don't want to miss the truth of this. The wisdom that is from above is pure and then it is peaceable. True, godly wisdom is always looking for the peaceful way to go about it. It is always looking for the peaceful resolution. If you can't deal with your issues with people without and not be peaceable, you're not dealing with the issues with a heavenly wisdom. You hear that? If you can't deal with it and not be peaceable, this is not heavenly wisdom that you're dealing with and your spirit's wrong. And you better stop and get it right. So first it's pure, then it's peaceable, then it's gentle. It's gentle. It doesn't try to just shove you into the right way. It tries to help you go the right way. That's heavenly wisdom. Uh, it is easy to be entreated. That means it's, it's, it's not difficult to deal with. It, it, it doesn't try to make things hard. That's what that means. It doesn't try to make the application of the wisdom hard for you. Okay? Go study it. It doesn't try to make the application of the wisdom difficult for you to deal with. It wants you to be able to grab a hold of this. It, want, it, it makes it... As, there's a lady uh, in our church in Garden, and... I, I've told this in the past, uh, sometime in the past, but I always, I, I know she meant it as a compliment, but I always wondered if it wasn't really kind of a little bit of a backhanded compliment. She said, uh, I love it when your daddy preaches. She said, he makes it simple so I can understand it. And then she said, and you're just like him. Like, are you trying to say I'm the pretty simple in my preaching or what? No, she meant it as a compliment because we shouldn't preach to make things difficult. That wouldn't be heavenly wisdom. We're not trying to get, I believe we need to go deep in the Word of God, but I don't believe in going deep in the Word of God and making it where nobody can understand what you're saying. We've got to try to make it where we can all grab hold of it together. And so, uh, it's easy to be entreated. It is full of mercy and good fruits. The wisdom that comes from above, it is full of mercy. Wisdom is going to give you, heavenly wisdom is going to cause you to give people the benefit of the doubt. You've heard me say that before. I'm going to always say it. We need to be merciful. We need to give the benefit of the doubt. We don't always know the whole story. We don't always understand everything that somebody may be dealing with in a situation that has caused the situation to be like it is. Doesn't make them right. Doesn't mean everything's excused. I'm just saying mercy says, 
I, I want to trust their heart. I want to trust they didn't do this with a bad attitude or to be rebellious or to, be, uh, to, to try to hurt me. I want to trust that somewhere in there they thought they were doing the right thing. I believe in that. Anybody else? I want wisdom that is full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. That's where we got to be careful too. Without partiality and without hypocrisy. Okay? Now, the 18th verse is really the one that I wanted to hit here. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those that make peace. What's that mean, Pastor? It means we should do what is right in peace, not in anger, not in bitterness, not in frustration. We should do... He's going back and he's hitting this peace thing a second time. We should do... And I wasn't meaning peace like... I just realized what I did there. That meant two, not peace. Where can you go on Wednesday night to get all this, folks? Lord help. I just caught it when I there I go again. I caught it when I said it. We do what is right in peace. We don't we don't do it in anger. We don't do it in bitterness. We don't do it in frustration. We do what is right in peace. The fruit of righteousness, doing the right thing, is sown in peace of them that make peace. That's how we need to engage our culture. We need to do the right thing, but we need to do the right thing in peace. To what end? To make peace. We need to do the right thing in peace in order that we might make peace. Yeah, but I've tried that and it didn't work. And a lot of times it's not going to work. But it doesn't mean you get to now do it your way. We still follow the Word of God. We keep on doing it His way instead of our way. We so... We, 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 Sow the fruit of righteousness in peace. So as we get into the discussions that we're going to be having, I'm going to be encouraging you to make sure that you take your stand when you need to take your stand. I'm not encouraging us to go out and look for fights with politics, with racism, with gender issues, with... Uh, whatever we may talk about and deal with. I'm not looking, I, I don't want you to. Matter of fact, if you go do it, you're going against what I'm trying to get us to do here. I don't want you to go out and do those things in order that you could start a fight or prove your point. I want you to do the right thing when the occasion calls for it. And I want you to do the right thing in peace. And sometimes that may mean that you have to turn to that person and say, look, I'm trying to, to do this the right way and I'm sorry if you don't agree with me, but please, I hope you can, you can feel my heart on it 
I'm going to leave it now. I've, I've, I've dealt with it, the thing that has come up as I feel I should. And I'm just going to leave it to you now. And you may have to walk away to keep from there being a fight about whatever thing it is. But I am encouraging you to stand up for what is right at all times. You do the right thing and you let God handle the rest. You do what is right. Use heavenly wisdom. All the things that I just talked about, you need to use heavenly wisdom in it. But do ultimately, what he's saying here is, do the right thing and do it with peace in your heart. Do it because you're trying to reconcile somebody else to Christ. Do it because you're trying to bring somebody just a little bit further along the way in their walk with God. The things we do. And, and, and we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we are sensitive and that we are led by the Spirit of God. That we are not looking to make issues of things. But when the thing comes up, and it will. Why? Because it's the culture. When the thing comes up, you need to be ready. The Bible says, be prepared to give an answer to every man for the hope that lieth within you. You need to be ready. You're going to be challenged. And as the days wax worse and worse and worse, you're going to be challenged more and more and more. And you precious young people that are sitting here listening to pastor teach tonight, you're probably going to have the brunt of it more than anybody else in this room, should the Lord tarry. You're going to have the brunt of it. And you're going to be the ones that as, as life progresses, unless there is a drastic change in our culture in the United States of America, unless, and, I, and I'm not saying there can be. I, I, I believe in awakenings. The Lord, the Lord has given America a great awakening in the past. And I believe He could do it again. But barring something like that happening, you're going to always be fighting upstream against the culture and people pushing things on you or saying things, and you need to be prepared to stand up for what you believe in. And, and until, you, until you get there on your own, you know, at some po- at points in your life, it's okay saying, well, this is what we do at my house. And that's an okay answer. And somebody can try to make, well, just because your parents said it. Well, yeah, just because my parents said it. And they are the ones who own the house I live in. Or they pay the rent. They pay the utilities. So, yeah, just because they said that That works for a while. But one of these days, you're going to have to stand up on your own. And you're going to have to be able to give an account for what you believe. And it is your pastor's prayer that when those days come to you, you don't find yourself wondering what you believe. I hope, I trust that I've put in you everything I need to be putting in you, that your parents, your loved ones, your family members, those around you, your church family, have put in you everything you need to have put in you so that you can make it through whatever comes. Because we're we're fighting against our culture. We're daily dealing with these things. Amen. Anybody anybody believe what I've been teaching tonight?
So here's what I want us to pray as we're closing this service tonight. I want us to pray that we'll do the right thing, but that we will do it with the right spirit. I want to do the right thing, but I want to make sure I've done it in the spirit in which God would be pleased with. Mm. Help me, Lord. Because, Folks, we are all susceptible to allowing our emotions to override us at times. Help us, God, to not be driven about by our emotions. But help me, Lord, to be driven by your word. I want to do the right thing in the right way. Amen? Let's stand together tonight. Let's lift our hands toward heaven and let's pray that prayer. The name of Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight I would be so I would be so founded in your word that it would not be a difficult thing for me to do the right thing, but that I would do what is right. But God, in doing what is right, please help me to have a right spirit. Help me to have a make peace spirit, God. To do those things in a way that is causing there to be healing and not rift. Causing there to be restoration and not destruction. Help me, Lord, to do the right thing and to do it the right spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We have an okay night tonight. I believe it. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.